I wanted to uh, remind you, thank you, Brother Colin, for uh, leading us today in our announcements. Um, I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm looking forward to some good pies tonight. I don't know if anybody's going to bring an apple pie, but, but apple pie is a good pie to bring. Uh, a pizza pie is a good pie to bring, and everybody loves chicken pot pie, but uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. But I wanted to remind you of our 60th anniversary that's coming up the second weekend of June, and uh, we hope that you're making plans to attend and uh, be a part of that weekend. That'll be Saturday and Sunday, the second week of June, uh, June 11th and 12th. Going to be a great time, and uh, lots of guests coming in from uh, out of town, and, and I should just say lots of people coming home, coming home going to be a good time and so we don't want you to miss that and uh, it's going to be a great a great week well we're going to continue our series today that we began last week on Easter uh, called this is love how many of you are thankful today for the love of God you're thankful for the love of God in your life I, I told someone the other day they said what is it like I said you know I can't really describe it until you experience it really can't describe the love of God you can tell everything that he's done for you you can tell all that he's done for your family and I don't think anybody can really understand it until they experience it it's like grace you don't fully understand grace until you experience grace I'm thankful today for the love of God and I'm thankful for his grace and uh, we're talking about how the resurrection changed everything because I don't believe that Easter should just be kept to one week in a month or one weekend out of the whole year. We should celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of the resurrection, we know what the cross was about. Because of Easter, we understand the meaning of Good Friday. And at the cross, Jesus died in our place for our sins. He entered into our pain and our shame. He came and He took the weight of evil itself so that its power, so the evil power could be broken. And because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, we see that death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is His love freeing us from sin. I'm thankful for that today. I'm thankful for the freedom from sin in my life. For the freedom of sin in my past. That I don't have to pay for all of that. I'm thankful today for that freedom. Tell your neighbor, if you are thankful, tell your neighbor, I'm thankful for freedom today thankful for freedom today. Amen. And so God in his love, he announced that one day a new creation would come. I want to talk to you today about how the resurrection of Jesus is about conquering death. We talked last week about sin. This week we're going to talk about conquering death. Death is a great tragedy of the human experience. When I was a kid, I bought uh, I bought a couple of books. Actually, I had the whole series at one time. But I bought these books called The Worst Case Scenario. How many of you remember these books? Anybody else have these books? Some of you are nodding. This is The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. And this is The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook Student Edition. So this was for the adults. This was for the kids. They make this for the worst case, uh, worst case scenario survival handbook for parenting, for adulting, for dating, for farming. You name it. It's probably it's kind of one of those. You guys remember those books for dummies? Y'all remember that? They made those for everything: texting for dummies, baseball for dummies, 
first thing in baseball, bat, ball, glove. That's the first chapter. But I bought these books, the worst case scenario handbook. And these are filled with how-tos on how to, how to escape from a mountain lion. If you're ever in touch with a mountain lion. Brother Kyle, you like to go hiking. Brother Runk, we talked about that yesterday. Y'all go biking, hiking. You might need this one day. for you. You might meet up with a mountain lion. How to win in a sword fight. For anybody who ever draws their sword on you, you're going to need to know how to win in a sword fight. Uh, how to jump, are you ready for this? From a moving car. So if you're ever kidnapped, I'm thankful that today my body is kidnap proof. If you're ever kidnapped and thrown in the back of a car, this is going to tell you how to jump out of a car. Or if the car is heading for a cliff and you're, you know that the brakes are out, there's no emergency brake, you've got to dive from that car, you're going to dive from that car. If you don't dive, you're going to die. But this will help you figure out how to dive from a car. Uh, let's see here. What else is in here? There's some good stuff in here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know, there's some practical. How to treat a leg fracture. You know, that's some good ones there. Uh, uh, let's see here. How to escape from a sinking car. You know, if you ever find yourself in the bottom of a lake in a car, you know, there's a sinking car. How to perform a fast 180 degree turn with your car. Just in case you're in a hot pursuit of somebody, or the police are, and you get called on the posse, you know, and you gotta, we don't have horses, we got cars now, we can turn that car around in 180 degree. The student book tells you how to uh, escape from killer bees, how to... Uh, Survive a poisonous snake attack. I mean, it's full of great things in the worst case scenario. And I always I read these through because you never knew when you were going to end up somewhere in the middle of a jungle and you were going to step into quicksand. Because all I ever knew was when you went into a jungle, you were bound to find yourself in a fight with quicksand. Anybody ever know? You know what I'm talking about? Every movie you watch... When they go into the jungle, and if you watch The Princess Bride, there's a part in there you got to go in. you got to fight some monsters in there. How to fight the monsters under your bed. It's in here, ladies and gentlemen. How to take a punch. How to fend off a shark. How to deliver a baby in a taxi cab. I mean everything for you. It's in these books. And, 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 so the, and they're interesting, they're exciting, but they're also kind of terrifying. It's kind of terrifying, and I don't know if it was the smartest idea for me to read these because if y'all don't know this, I have a very wild imagination. And, and my mind is just active 24-7. I mean, I, I can go to sleep. I got into an argument with my wife the other night. She was asleep. She didn't know it. I was asleep. I didn't know it, but I woke up. I was mad at her for some reason. My mind was going 24-7, and you want to know what it was about? Sister Connie, there was a Hammond or, or not a Hammond organ. Well, it's my dream, it was a Hammond organ, kind of like this. It was sitting on the side of the road, had a big sign on it that said free. And she wouldn't let me pick it up and bring it home. Could you believe that? So my wife and I got into an argument. She didn't even know what we were arguing about. And we were on our way. I kid you not. She'll tell you this is the God honest truth. We were, some of my stories are evangelistical stories, but this is a true one. We were on our way down to Lowe's yesterday. We're passing down, we're going down M51, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden I see over on the, it was the Lord, y'all, there was an organ sitting on the side of the road. 
had a sign on it that said free. And she'll tell you, she was talking to me. I lost all concentration of what she was talking about because my mind went right to that. And I went, and she goes, are you even listening? I said, no. You remember that dream I told you about last night? There is an organ sitting right back there. And she goes, no, you're not going to stop and pick up anything else from the side of the road. Now, some of you would say the key story, you want me to go talk about anything else. What else have you picked up on the side? of That's stories for another day. But this story was the story that God spoke to me in a dream. There was an organ right there. Say it again. She said it wasn't God because it was not a Hammond organ. It was a Lowry organ. And Lowry is a good organ, but it's not a Hammond organ. Lowry's kind of the generic. It's all the bells and whistles, but the Hammond, mm, the Hammond's got that soul in it, got that gruff in it. My imagination just goes wild. I don't even remember what I was talking about today. This is love. That's what we were talking about. But my mind would go wild about this. Y'all know that when I get on a plane, my wife will tell you this is true. When I get on a plane, I go to the back of the plane and I sit in the very last row. Some will say, well, pastor, it's because you want to you, you wanna sit right next to the bathroom and the snacks and all that. No. Has anybody ever seen a plane back into a mountain? No. You don't ever see a plane back. Safest place to sit on a plane in the back of the... It's in the book, y'all. In the book. And so it goes on and on. And whether you are like me, you're a catastrophizer... It's a word we made up today. Somebody who imagines catastrophes around the corner. We all will live under the, cor the covering of death. Statistically speaking, one out of one dies. Statistically speaking, for all of you statistic people out there. Even the avoidance of aging is a booming industry. We do everything we can to feel like Bob Dylan wrote, Forever young. That's all I know of the song. I'm not going to sing. Some of y'all are like, okay, pastor, go ahead. All kidding aside today, one of the major biggest fear, the fear of all fears, is death. Sociologists have observed that just about every society has its own version of immortality symbols. Things that give the assurance of living forever. In ancient times, it was about being properly enshrined or buried amongst the gods. When you think of pharaohs in Egypt or, or in the Taj Mahal in India, they wanted to be enshrined. They were buried with the gods. For Americans, for us here, we are all about the big houses, the cars, the trust funds, the retirement accounts, things that we think that are going to live long after us. It's about putting names on buildings and names on family centers and names on park benches and names. We want to make a name for ourselves. We want to leave a mark. And therefore, we want to carry our legacy forward. Some of the things are not bad. They could even be decent motivations. And we may, though, be thinking about leaving the world a better place for future generations. But as far as immortality goes, the symbols, these something that makes us live on after death, we will come woefully short. Death is the great ending. It's the great finality. It is the inescapable curtain call. So when Jesus went to the cross on Friday, it was anything but good. It was not a good Friday. His followers were devastated. 
the dream was over. And like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they said they had hoped that he would be the Messiah. But now that hope had ended. Their heads were hanging low, their bodies felt lifeless, their hearts felt hollow, and their eyes were swollen from weeping, and they thought, how could this be? If you've ever seen uh, the Broadway show or even the movie Les Miserables, one of my favorite Broadway shows, uh, there's a scene in there where Fantine sings, I dream a dream that cannot be. And it captures the kind of heartbroken despair that the disciples must have felt on that Friday. And, and it's not good to rush past that moment. We see the darkness and the tragedy of Good Friday. It captures how we often feel in life. We're overwhelmed by brokenness. By brokenness in the world. By brokenness in our home, in our, maybe in our marriage, maybe with our children, in our own lives, with our job, whatever it may be. We are filled with discouragement or despair. We're aware of the darkness and the fear in our own hearts. Death, though, is the end of all possibilities. And if there is no answer for death, then all the answers do not matter. So I ask you today to think about this question. What can lift our heavy heads? The song of Solomon, the poet, wrote, Love is as strong as death. But on Easter morning, Jesus said, No, love is stronger. God said, Love is stronger than death. On that first Easter morning, God showed the world that there is a love that is stronger than death. The preaching of the New Testament, uh, particularly in the book of Acts uh, and in Paul's writings, it makes a point to say that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And this matters because we are not meant to see Jesus as some sort of Superman figure who was brought to the brink of death by some evil villain. And then somehow at the last second, he musters up the last bits of life to burst free. The gospel writers and the first preachers of Jesus, they want us to know that Jesus really did die. He really died. He truly died. He was buried. He was fully dead. But God the Father did not abandon his beloved son in the grave. He vindicates his faithful obedience and his sacrificial death by raising him up to new life. This is a few ways. Peter said this in Acts chapter 5. Peter and the apostles answered. He said, it's necessary to obey God rather than men. Here's why. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus. The one that you killed by hanging him on a cross. God set him on high at his side. Prince and Savior to give Israel the gift of a changed life and sins forgiven. We are witnesses to these things. The Holy Spirit whom God gives to those who obey Him corroborate every detail. I'm glad that I got somebody to corroborate my story. I'm glad that there's the Holy Spirit there that says, Hey, what you feel in God is absolutely the truth. You feel you're forgiven in Christ? You're forgiven in Christ. You feel that God died for you? He died for you. The Spirit is there to say, yes, this is accurate. Paul then expanded this later in in chapter 13 of Acts. He said, we proclaim to you the good news. Him and Barnabas were together. And him and Barnabas, they proclaimed the good news. What God promised to our ancestors, He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus as it was written In the second psalm, 
In the second psalm, it said, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Verse 34 goes on to say that God raised Jesus from the dead, never again to be subjected to death's decay. Therefore, God said, I will give you the holy and firm promises that I made to David. Oh, I'm thankful for that verse. In other places, it said, you will, in another place, it said, you will not let your holy one experience death's decay. David served God's purpose in his own generation, and then he died and was buried with his ancestors. He experienced death's decay. David experienced. Let me pause there for a second. What Paul is saying, or what uh, what Peter is saying here, is that David experienced the decay of death. So he's telling you the difference here. But the one who God raised up did not experience the decay of death. He said David served God's purpose in his own generation. And he died and he was buried with his ancestors. He experienced death's decay. But the one who God raised up did not experience the decay of death. Paul would develop this even further in his letters to the churches. He started or was trying to encourage. He understood that the resurrection of Jesus is not just good news for Jesus. It's good news for the world. When Jesus rose out of the grave, it was good news for him. He didn't have to lay in that, in that hard stony bed anymore. In the darkness behind a stone wall. It was good news. He got to go and continue his plan. But it wasn't just for him. It was for us too. When Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered death. He conquered the grave. He said, that that grave ain't no match for me. Those clothes ain't no match for me. That stone ain't no match for me. Do you see that stone roll away? That's no match for me. But there were some Christians that were in Corinth that they weren't sure. They wondered if this was all really necessary to believe. And couldn't they just say that Jesus was a good teacher and and he was still here spiritually? Why did it matter if he had actually been raised from the dead? It, and these questions, they brought out some of Paul's clearest teaching on the resurrection. And I want you to take a closer look with me at what he said. And, and we're going to make a couple of observations from it. First Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, from Adam, when Adam messed up, for as in Adam, all die. But so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But in each his own order, Christ the first fruits, then his coming, those who belong to Christ, then come the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. He must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy is to be destroyed is death. Hallelujah. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Paul is saying at least three things to us here. The first is that resurrection is the defeat of death. Paul calls death an enemy. Let us be clear about this, okay? Death is not a friend. Death is not a doorway into eternity. Death is a beast. It is an enemy. But it is an enemy that will be destroyed because Jesus' victory over death on Easter Sunday. 
Can you imagine being free from the fear of death? Can you imagine not having to write a book about the worst case scenario that could eventually lead to death, but here's just a handbook in case you experience something like that? When power is abused, the weapon that is wielded is the fear of death. When you look at tyrants and thieves, dictators and despots, all resort to one ultimate threat, the threat of death. But when death no longer holds a sting, then tyrants no longer have any power. And this is what happened in the early centuries uh, uh, for, for when Caesar, uh, after Caesar, after Caesar, every Caesar that lived, they would threaten to kill Christians if they did not renounce Christ and worship Caesar. That's why it's so important here. Uh, these Christians, they knew that they were free from the fear of death. They knew that they had belonged to the one who had conquered death. The one who had been raised up. This is why it's important for us to understand what really happened to Jesus. He did not have a near-death experience and then get resuscitated. He didn't have a near-death experience where he's laying on the hospital bed and they're, all right, clear. And then he comes back to life. Do we got a pulse? Do we got a pulse? Keep going. Do we got a pulse yet? They didn't do that. Jesus was dead. They wrapped him in the clothes. They put him in the grave. They rolled the stone away. Well, they rolled the stone into place before it got rolled away. He was dead. And this is why the gospel writers recount the stories of the disciples. They didn't recognize Jesus at times. There was something familiar, but something was different about him. This guy looks familiar, but there's something just a little bit different about this guy. His body seemed to have a new and perhaps a spiritual property that allowed him to appear in a room with locked doors. Yet his body seemed to have the same physical properties that made him hungry and able to eat. Thomas touches scars with his hands or touch, and then touches wounds in his side. The disciples weren't used to using the word resurrection to describe Jesus going to heaven after dying. They had other ways of talking about something like that. When they said he was alive, they did not mean he was alive in their hearts. The way that we sometimes will speak at a funeral, this person is going to live forever in our hearts and in our minds. We'll keep him alive through our actions. No, it wasn't that way. The ancient world had categories for spiritual journeys in the afterlife or hallucinations or visions of a ghost. But what happened to Jesus shattered all of their categories. They had no words to describe this. They wouldn't even fit in the miscellaneous category. That's why the four Gospels give somewhat differing accounts of the resurrection. Because there's so many stories. So much breathless recounting of something that had no words that they had no words for. And so by the time Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he can say to them that he is simply last in a long line of witnesses to the resurrection. He said in chapter 3 of verse 15, 1 Corinthians, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, dead. 
Then he appeared to James, and he appeared to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Paul said he, he went to everybody. He went to the 500 brothers. He went to, to the disciples. He went to James. He went to, to over. And then he came to me. I think Paul was saying he just saved the best for last. Most of us would go, you saved me for last. I'm not the first one you called. I'm not the first one that you, you got into town and you didn't even call me first. Paul took it as and said, hey, he came to me last so I could say, I'm just confirming everybody else's story. This is the second thing that we can note from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians about the meaning and the significance of the resurrection. Resurrection is God's new beginning when all possibilities have ended. Let me say that again for you. Resurrection is God's new beginning when all other possibilities have ended. Resurrection is not a resuscitation like Lazarus may have experienced. Resurrection is not a hallucination. Resurrection is not a spiritualization of the afterlife. Resurrection is what only God can bring when all other possibilities are gone. It's what God can bring. How many of you, you've experienced something in your life where you thought it's over with? I've got nothing else in my life to give. My marriage is done. My job is in jeopardy. My car, my, I know my car is about to die. My car did die. Life is too hard for me. It's easier for me to go to sleep and not wake up. It's easier for me to drink the rest of this, forget about all that. How many of you have ever been there where it was the end in your life and you felt like there's nothing else? Resurrection is what only God can bring when all other possibilities are gone. How many of you need a resurrection today in your own life? Come on, how many of you need a resurrection in your life of something? What things are dead in your life? What things or what possibilities are dead? Where in your life has the story gone off the rails? Maybe you don't want to think about those places or areas in your life because really what's even the point? I don't even want to think about that. I don't want to think about the job I could have had. I don't want to think about the degree I could have had. But I don't want to think about what my marriage could have. I don't want to think about any of that, Pastor. I don't want that. How could you possibly change that story? Pastor, it's over. Pastor, she said it was done. She said she's leaving me. She don't want me. She don't want anything about me. Pastor, they kicked me out of my job. They kicked me out of my apartment. They don't, they don't want to have done everything I could, but they don't want me there. I pay my bills. My car still gets repossessed. I pay my house. I still get foreclosed on. Pastor, the story for my life is over. Well, that leads me to the last thing about the resurrection that we have to learn from Paul. Paul said, resurrection is a gift. Well, I can't afford that. No, he didn't say it's available to you at this cost. He said it's a gift. He wrote, for as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. And what I like about what he wrote here, what Paul wrote, he didn't just stop there. He said, let me give you an example. He said, Adam 
Adam died. Because Adam messed up, all men are going to die. But he didn't stop there. He said, just as Adam has died and all men will die, also in Christ shall all be made alive. All will be made alive. I don't know what, what Adam is in your life. I don't know who Adam is in your life. Some of you watching, my name's Adam. I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I just clicked on a live stream to watch service. I don't know what is bringing death into your life, to your job, to your marriage, to your relationship with your children. But just as death entered the world through one man, resurrection life has come through the resurrection of one man. The resurrection of Jesus is not just good news for Jesus, it's good news for the world. It's good news for you. Well, Pastor, okay. You tell me it's a gift. What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> Nothing. What'd you do, Pastor, to deserve it? <laughs> Nothing. I'm probably one of the last ones to deserve it, to deserve it, but. Well, what can I do to earn it? Because I don't deserve it, so let me earn it. No. Nope can't earn it either resurrection does not emerge from potential resurrection is not an achievement no one can raise themselves up from the dead but in Christ shall all be made alive are you catching any of this good news today one day all who are in Christ will be raised up with glorious new bodies. Thank you, Jesus. We all have bodies like Jesus, and we don't know how much more or about those bodies will be like, but we know that it'll be similar, but yet radically different. It'll be the same material, but new properties. That's wonderful. And it has led to Christians saying for over 2,000 years now, in the words of, of Nicene Creed, that we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. But I want to tell you today, resurrection can happen right now. You can experience resurrection today in your life. You can experience resurrection right now in your marriage. You can experience resurrection with your job. You can experience a resurrection in your mental health. You can experience a resurrection in your addictions. You can experience resurrection in whatever it is that is keeping you from the full potential that God has called you to live and to have. Paul writing to the Corinthian church he said about the significance and the meaning he wrote this to the Christians in Rome he said if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to you mortal bodies through his spirit who dwell in you the Holy Spirit who the Father raised Jesus from the dead with is here today to bring you a new life. He's here today to bring you a new spirit. The same love that did not abandon Jesus to the grave will not let you go. This is love. He loves you with a love that is stronger than death. Paul finishes out the chapter, Romans 8, with this powerful assurance. He said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. 
For I am sure, are you ready for this? That neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present or nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus took on death and we can exhaust its power on Him. Because the Father in His love raised Jesus up from the grave. He vindicated His faithfulness and He demonstrated His belovedness. I'm thankful for that love today. Would you stand with me in this house? I'm thankful for that love today. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, yeah, I already read it, but some of y'all didn't catch it the first time. Nor death nor life, angels, rulers, things present or to come, powers, height, depth, anything else will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Gracious God and Lord, our Savior, you have loved us with an everlasting love. You sent your Son to earth because you love us. God, you laid down your life willingly. You are the one with the Father and you are one with the Spirit. Your love are one, Lord. In your death on the cross, we see your love. In your resurrection, we see the love that you would not let us go. And so today we say yes to you. We want to let you love us. We want to be with you in the Holy Spirit and what we can be. And so, Lord, we ask you to send your spirit right now into this house. Bring a resurrection life into us. Make our hearts that were dead in sin alive again. Stir us with new power to obey you and to love you and to send us into the world with this life. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit today. Fill us, Lord, with your hope today. Fill us, Lord, so that one day we will know what this resurrection in life in the fullness, in Jesus' name, what it is. We give you praise today. We give you glory today. We give you honor today. If you're looking for a new life today, I open this altar to you. If you're looking for something to be resurrected in your life, I open this altar for you to come today. I pray that somebody in this house would say, you know what, Pastor? I got some dreams that need resurrecting. I got some hopes that need resurrecting. Is there anybody in here who will come and pray with me today? Is there anybody that will come and say, thank you, Mark, for coming to pray with me today? We're going to believe together in your dream. I don't know what your dreams are, but we're going to believe together. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you, Paige. Thank you, Rachel. Is there anybody else that say, I got some dreams that we're going to resurrect in this house? Is there anybody else that says, hey, we got a dream to grow a church. We got a dream to see Dewajah saved. We got a dream to see Cass County saved. Southwest Michigan saved. Come on, let's lift our hands in this house and let's begin to pray God. Let's begin to worship him today. Come on, let's lift up today and let's resurrect some dreams in this house.